So today I'd like to talk to you about the heart. So he's elderly, somewhat overweight. He had cholesterol and blood pressure issues. He knew that his heart was in such good shape, so he went to the doctor's office. He had an EKG. Now the blood tests were given, the blood pressure taken, and the cardiologist walked into the room somewhat somber. And the man looked at the doctor and said, Doc, how is it? And the doctor, somewhat somber, didn't say much. He goes, well, Doc, am I going to need a bypass? Tell me. The doctor looked down at his clipboard and looked back up at the man and very somberly said to him, yes, you're going to need a bypass. You need to bypass McDonald's and Pizza Hut and Burger King and Dairy Queen. Today I want to talk to you about the heart. And to solve any problem, we need to get to the heart of an issue. Now, my lovely wife, she had knee surgery, and the knee only bent to 13 degrees, and so it needed to be done, and the doctor did it. Hicksville Hospital, and now she's recovering. Thank you for your thoughts and prayers. But she needed to have it replaced, no doubt. She got to the heart of an issue. My car has been acting up. I just can't get acceleration when I want to get going. And the service engine light came on, and so I took it to Essel. I want to reach you what was wrong with it. Temp valve, temperature valve on the oil intake. I'm not sure what that means. What it meant was $364. But don't worry, Lisa paid for it. No, I'm just kidding. It's under warranty, all right? Okay. Finally, last fall, uh, my, uh, our basement where we have our, our washer and dryer, our, our utility room was somewhat smelly, and I smelled down to the sewer drain, and there it stunk. And so I bought a couple bottles of Drano. It did nothing. I, so, of course, I had to go get a plumber. I had to come from the outside. I have a, some drains that are nearly horizontal to the ground. He had to blast that away. And now it smells good. We all know about it. To get to the heart, to get to the problem, one needs to get to the heart of the what? Issue. You're familiar with Mike Rowe? Dirty Jobs, ever watch that? Where every show, he does a dirt, different dirty job, and he gets to the heart of the issue. And his... What he needs to do to get to heart of an issue, he has to get into some slop and some mess and some stink. It's called dirty jobs, the jobs that people do, but well, we need to be glad they do it because it really helps out. So somebody asked Mike Rowe, who's been doing this job for many years, he goes, what are the dirtiest jobs you've ever done? Well, he said, one of the dirtiest jobs I ever did was I had to clean out a sewer in Queens, New York City. <laughs> he said there was a whole neighborhood that began stinking, and they found out that the sewer was a problem, so he had to go down there with some employees from New York City and the sewer was clogged up. <laughs> Got to the heart of issue. It smells much better now. They also asked him, what was one of the stinkiest jobs you did? He said, snake wrangler. I have to go and get snakes out of their pit and muck, and sometimes you have to use them for anti-venom. You know, if you get bit by a poisonous snake, you need what? The serum from the snakes. That's a dirty job. You again, grab them and take care of them, and they get out um, stuff to help people get healthy. Next dirtiest job, he said, concrete mixture. You ever had concrete laid or poured, maybe a new drive or whatever? Well, somebody has to get into the truck and clean out the middle, you know what I mean? He says, that's the dirtiest job. It's full of dust and muck, and some of it dries and hard, and just comes a mess. And finally, as grotesque as it sounds, pigeon dung remover, okay? Wow, a pigeon dung remover. Well, you know, pigeons hang out underneath um, bypasses and interstates, and, and they do their business, and it harms the concrete. It, it erodes the, the, the concrete's ability to do its job. And somebody has to go and clean it up, so guess who does it? Mike Rowe, dirty jobs, dirty jobs that people do. You want to, to solve a problem, you have to get to what? The heart of an issue. And so we come to King David. Read that with me. David, a man after God's own heart. 
If there was a kid in the high school that David would be like, he'd be that sharp-looking kid who'd be the National Honor Society. He'd be a three-sports star letter winner, and he'd be a superstar at all sports. He'd be popular with the ladies. He'd be warm to all classmates, including to those kids who are somewhat obnoxious or quiet. David would be prom king. He'd be it all. That was David, and he was also a man after God's own heart. Remember David? He used to play the harp for King who? Saul, remember, and Saul, someone had a bad temperament. He had a nasty um, disposition, and, and David used to play the harp to calm him. And who was it that was that really big guy from Philistine that was taunting the Israelites? And David, who was that? Goliath? And David took a stone, and David was a man after God's own heart. It is David who God used that Israel, the nation itself, would be in the promised land and build themselves where they no longer be threatened by their enemies, and God could dwell with them in peace. But David, to get to the heart of an issue, David had a problem that we all have. He became a what? Adulterer and a murderer. Do you remember her name? Bathsheba, bathing on the roof. Remember her husband, Uriah? And David, in his lust and passion, committed adultery with her, and then he had her husband killed to make it look like he's innocent. And so God sent the pastor and the prophet Nathan to confront him. And David got to the heart of the issue really quick. Let's read what he says together. Against you and you only have I sinned. David got to the heart of the issue. He didn't make excuses and say, well, she's just attractive. I was having a bad day, God. You understand? He's causing me problems. He didn't make excuses. He came clean. He got to the heart of the issue. He said, against you and you only have I sinned. You remember I said, if we want to solve any problem, we have to get to the heart of the what? The issue. So what's the heart of the issue? Our problem is what? Yeah, we don't hear much about sin in our world today. The heart of our issue is that we're sinners. We sin because we're sinners. What's the middle, middle letter in the word sin? Say it. What's the middle letter in the word pride? I. The problem is that we are sinners and we inherited from our parents. Where? In the Garden of Eden. Did God really say, and when Adam and Eve trusted in the serpent more than they did God, when they partook in the fruit, they sinned, and you and I are their, you and I are their spiritual children. We inherited that nature from them. Began the Garden of Eden. See, sin just isn't sometimes making bad decisions, but it's cosmic tragedy. We see it all the time. Are you familiar with what's going on in Afghanistan? What about Haiti? What about our own nation? Maybe our own lives, our own families. Sin is cosmic tragedy. It's horrible. It ruins things. Now, Jesus gets to the heart of the issue, and what Jesus does, he crawls a crowd to himself. Now, there's people who hang out with Jesus for a little bit, and I heard what he said, oh, what? So big deal? And they leave. But there's people who are more interested in hearing from Jesus. So Jesus says, come on in here, I have some more to tell you. And Jesus talks about sin. Again, can you read it with me? Again, he calls the crowd to him. Listen to me. Nothing outside a person can make them unclean. Rather, what comes out of a person makes them unclean. Evils come from inside a person and makes a person unclean. Makes it inside of me. See, we're unclean because what's inside of us to begin with. Now, we Lutherans call it what? Read up on the board. What is it? 
original sin. Original sin is that condition that you and I have inherited from Adam and Eve. We inherited from our parents. They inherited from their parents and like forth. King David says, Surely I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me, sinful from when I was born. We sin because we are sinners. That's original sin. The best way for me to explain original sin to you is like this. Imagine raising a child from birth all the way to the age 16 and you never tell them the word no and you give them whatever you want, whatever they want. How would that work out? No. See, even today, psychologists debate and say, no, children aren't born with a blank slate. They're born neutral. I want to say to them, have you ever hung out with a two- or three-year-old? Tell me about it. See, you and I, we inherited original sin. See, nobody has to teach us how to sin. Nobody has to teach us how to be selfish. We do that quite well. It comes quite easy. Nobody has to teach us how to be lustful. Nobody has to teach us how to be greedy. Nobody has to teach us how to run our mouth. Nobody has to teach us how to be vengeful. Nobody has to teach us about pride. That all comes with the package of original sin. That is the heart of the issue. It's something that we are born with, original sin. Our hearts are sinful from the beginning. There's a Lutheran student who attended a seminary in a Lutheran seminary in Norway, and he went into his professor and said, Professor, I have good news today. I decided to give my heart to Jesus. And the seminary professor looked at him and said, What would God want your dirty old sinful heart for? See, we are sinful to begin with. Jesus says it's not what we put into our mouths that make us unclean. The unclean's already there to what? It already just comes out. That's our sinful nature. See, the Pharisees thought, well, if I eat bad food, that makes me bad. Jesus said, nah. It's called original sin. It's already what is there and comes out. The heart of the issue makes for bad solutions. Well, we blame others. Have you ever blamed others when you got caught? I know, I used to teach. It happened all the time. Some kid got in trouble and the first thing that comes out of his mouth was what? Not me, but who? Oh, have you ever listened to a politician? Oh, sorry. I didn't didn't want to bring that up. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Adam and Eve sinned and God called them in the garden. Adam, where are you? And what is this that you have done? And what's the first thing Adam did? The woman you what? Gave me one of the services. Someone pointed to their wife. I'm just kidding. Okay. Eve, what is it that you have done? Well, the serpent, what? Blame others. I had a professor who told me that a non told me that told our class a non-Christian always blames others, but a Christian blames who? Myself. Blames others. The other thing is that we deny. Well, I'm not as bad as my neighbor. You see the person who works down the down the hallway from me. You see what my friend does. You see my classmate does. I'm not that bad compared to others. See, the heart of the issue, sometimes we have bad solutions. We deflect, don't take responsibility. But see, Jesus gets to the heart of the issue. Jesus has a solution. His solution is he what? Confronts. Just like the prophet Nathan confronted David, he confronts us. He confronted the crowd. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. You think you're unclean because of bad food you eat? I'm telling you you're unclean to begin with. It's bad to begin with, your sinful nature. It's bad to begin with. He confronts. A loving person confronts. That's called the law. He loves us enough to confront us. The law confronts. It doesn't make us feel comfortable. And what does he do? He forgives. He takes our sin he placed upon himself. 
St. Paul says that he who knew no sin became sin that we might have the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ took our sin, put it upon himself on the cross, and he bore the weight of sin, death, and hell to the point that he said, complete it with me. My God, my God, why have you what? Forsaken me. He forgives us. He makes us as if it never happens. He takes the bill and he pays it. He cleans us free. That's a different person that you're talking about. Yeah, I'll pick up the tab for table 13. Don't worry about it. He forgives, and finally, he renews. See, he gives us a heart transplant. Jesus isn't in a fixer-upper business. He isn't a used car salesman. He gives us what's new. St. Paul says if anyone's in Christ, they are new. The old has gone. The new has come. He gives us a new heart. That's how Jesus deals with us. He confronts honestly. He forgives, and he renews us. He gives us a new heart. With a clean heart comes clean energy. A different energy. I no longer live for myself. I live for others. With a clean heart comes the fruit of the Spirit. you see the fruit of the Spirit up there? Goodness, patience, kindness, joy, love, faithfulness, peace. You can put self-control up there. That's a fruit of the Holy Spirit of a clean heart. That's exhibits. That begins to become exhibited in a person's life. You know what self-control is? We all need help with that, but that's a fruit of the Spirit. Learning to hold our tongue, learning to be patient in difficult times, that's a fruit of the Spirit. With a clean heart comes clean energy, the fruit of the Spirit, and a zeal to love God, and a zeal to love others. So I just want to take a minute or two. Thank you. Thank you for the cards and your warm wishes during my wife's recovery. I'd like to point to what C.S. Lewis once said. C.S. Lewis says, you can always know when you're talking to a Christian. Well, how's that? Well, it's just not that they bring up the word God. A Christian will ask you how you're doing and listen. How you doing? How's your family? How are your parents? How's your children? How's your health? How are things at the workplace? How are things going with you? How you been dealing with COVID? C.S. Lewis says, if you run into a Christian, they're not going to say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. They're going to ask you about what? How you're doing, and more importantly, they'll what? They'll listen. They're concerned about you. A Christian will love you. That's a zeal to love God and who? Others. I'm concerned about someone else besides me. That is a clean heart. A renewed heart begins to love others and invest in them much more than you and I. You see, Jesus gets to the heart of the issue. What comes inside of us makes us unclean, but I'll forgive and I'll renew and I'll give you a new heart with clean energy for eternal life. What a blessing that is. That I know my Lord has forgiven and redeemed me. How can I not forgive others? I know that my God listens to me. How can I not listen to others? And by the way, a clean heart is willing to look in the mirror and say, what part have I played in any problem? What is it that I can be doing differently? That's a clean heart. That's a blessing of faith for eternal life. So how about for us with cleansed hearts? How about this for a closing thought? We usually sing it. Now we'll say it. Say it with me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, or take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And all God's people cleanse hearts say.